Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, concerns, ideas? This freezing temperature, what's it going to do to those emerging bulbs of foliage-wise and everything else? And some of the stuff is, uh, uh, who knows, are the buds on the plants or, you know, the winds and everything else? But uh, Mr. Kelly, you're yep. all dressed up in blue. Is Gary Unger? Gary Unger. Wow. That's right. My wife and I both have. This is actually, I bought this one for my wife. But it's way too big, and it costs like 60 bucks to send it back to Canada. And so I kept it and got her another one. Wow. Yeah, so we have, she has a white one. I got this one, and going to the blue. I'm going to the Blues game today. She's not going, but. Uh, She's not going? No, but. Uh, so I'm are you going to go, go home and then come back? No. Oh. I get off at 1, make a beeline right across there. Wow. Yeah. So looking forward to it. Impressive. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> yes. So. Well, great. Thanks. You bet. Saturday morning, we get together and. You call me, and thanks for having me on your show, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. What's going on in your backyard? Hmm. How about that front yard? How about that wind recently? Living across the street from Christie Park, we were pretty much leaf-free for almost two months, and now we've got big piles of leaves at various locations. So today after the show, I'm going to probably do some raking. How about your houseplants? How are they doing? What is potting mix? And if you're going to be starting some seeds, like for vegetables, or starting some annual seeds, or what should you be doing to get the best out of it and maybe improving your soil? Not exactly uh, satisfied with the way your garden's been doing? Well, maybe you should be doing some work in there adding some organic matter. And uh, the information I'll share with you, you can certainly use it if you like, but my thoughts will help orchestrate or solidify that final judgment that you're going to make. Or you're just going to say, eh, I don't care. That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And by the way, yes, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me over. And uh, wherever you happen to be listening, I greatly appreciate the fact that you are. Alex, he's producing, so he answers the phone. And um, his new baby, his new son, is moving into the house really well. He's, what, three weeks old? One month. One month, so he's a month old. He's really getting big. Anyway, and uh, 
His older son says, ah, this is kind of cool, having a brother. I'm Mike Miller, by the way, and the Garden Hotline since 1994. And I do landscape consultations, and if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Today I was headed out to Ledoux, but uh, with the temperatures being what they are, we decided to postpone it for another week or so, and hopefully it will be a little bit warmer. Well, anyway, let's get moving. The stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. At the intersection of Rue de la Tour and Rue de la Garages. Huh? Wintry sky brightens, makes the deciduous branches across the street, across the way. A nice stark contrast to the sky as it really starts to get brighter. And uh, nothing short of spectacular. And you can, where I was sitting, you can actually look through the windows of the old cathedral. And the old cathedral, hmm, I think there's a service there every Saturday, but... uh, I don't know if there was one in. I couldn't see. I can look through. I was looking through the windows, but I couldn't tell if there was people in there or not or what's going on with that. The arch was shooting skyward and then hooping back down. Sounds of the highway below. Flags were blowing towards the south, meaning those were northerly winds. The building has a lot of balconies on it that you could walk on. The sign reminds utility work ahead and as you went around the corner, the northeast corner, there's the old courthouse, which is scheduled for major renovation. And the walkway leading down to the arch entrance is right there as well, with a nice combination of ground covers and lawn and trees and shrubs and everything else. It really creates a perfect setting to take a walk, ride a bike, or sit on a concrete bench. Woo, uh-uh, not when it's this cold. you got to be really tough to do that. Well, where am I? I'm at One Memorial Drive, and that's where KMOX used to be. That's where it lived before it moved to the new location. And a lot of great memories, parties and everything else. We could go out on the roof there, and it was just a great, fun place to be in, really in the heart of downtown. You look out the windows, and, I mean, we've got a good spot here as far as looking out in parks and the Soldiers Memorial and the the main library branch, but... uh, That was just a little bit uh, sentimental, so I decided to take my good gardening stroll there today. So if you do have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, we've got phone lines open, so I'd be happy to discuss it with you. Uh, In your own yard, I don't know I'm going to find out when I get home. I wasn't out during the week or anything else. How deeply if the ground is actually frozen? And if it is frozen, then you certainly don't want to go out and start digging around and uh, another thing, too, plant material is going to start showing up at uh, garden centers and then consequently, you know, planting and everything else. But uh, digging a hole and getting everything together so you can actually purchase plants. I'm talking about hardy plants. I'm talking about trees and shrubs, herbaceous things I'd, my tendency would be to stay away from. But uh, consequently, working soil up that's frozen can cause major problems 
even if you can get the hole dug and everything else, because there's going to be huge air gaps in between all the, you know, clods of soil that you put back around the root system. Then with the way the weather is approaching, it's getting, I mean, severely cold next week. And then consequently, that's not to say you're going to be planting them today, but just that's the problem. When the soil gets has big air pockets in it, consequently, then cold air sinks into that and does damage to even established plant material. So you just have to be conscious of that. Well, first call of the day is going to be Phil. And Phil, how are you? Hello, Phil. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, Zoysia question. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, got some brown spots, dead spots in the yard. How do we tell or check it to see, is it, is it insect scrubs? Is it fungicide or fungus? And how do we remedy the issue? Well, first of all, grubs generally don't impact zoysia. Second of all, I would say wait till the zoysia starts greening up, then dig up like a six-inch cube of it and take it to your favorite garden center. Or what you can do, I mean, there are chinch bugs. There are certain things that can, you know, do some damage to zoysia insect-wise. But if you just get down on your hands and knees and look at it really closely, you're going to be able to see if it is a fungus problem. And if it's an isolated, just, you know, sort of like islands, it's a little bit difficult to, you know, to tell. So that's why I would, you know... Dig up the spot or roll it, you know, like a piece of sod, roll it up and see if you see some insects there or if you see anything on the grass blades once it starts greening up, that would let you know that it potentially could be a fungus circumstance. Okay. And then the remedy? Uh, If it's insects, you're going to have to do an insecticide. If it's a fungus, you know, fungus, then you're going to have to get a fungicide. So it's two completely different things. Okay. Is dethatching anywhere involved with that? Well, it would never hurts to dethatch. If, you, if you're not doing it routinely, that could be part of the problem because once a thatch gets too, you know, too thick, and you're going to have thatch regardless if you bag your clippings or not because thatch is just old dead grass blades that have fallen there. So not necessarily ones that the mower from clipping is going to f- throw them back into the bag that's uh, you know, attached to your mower. So that's, you know, kind of what you're looking at. Got it. All right. I appreciate your help, Mike. Sure. Well, good luck. Yeah. And Thank you. you still got several months before you're going to see any greening up. But uh, just understand that uh, if you can, if you don't have pets or, you, you know, and it's in an area where the pets are not, dogs are running. Because if it is a fungus problem, it can be spread even if it is, you know, the grass is dormant. The fungus is not necessarily dormant. So... That's what you got to watch out for. Thank you. Yep, my pleasure. And now let's go to Mark. Mark, how are you today? Good morning. Hi. One one quick question. What is the best time to cut back or trim rose bushes, whether they're traditional roses or knockout roses? Uh, I like to you know, personally, I mean, so the historically... The hybrid teas, granite floors, and floribundas are always pruned going basically into winter. So sometime in the month of November, cut back to about 8 to 10 to 12 inches, and then mulch with about 6 or 8 inches of mulch up over the crown. And then with the shrub-type roses, it's generally considered after, let's say, the winter is not over, but after we come into the new year. So if you haven't done any of either of them, I would say... 
hold off a little bit because of the severity of the coldness and just being outside working for your own protection and just wait until, you know, wait until we probably hit uh, late February, early March and then do the pruning at that time. But definitely want to get it done before any kind of new growth begins, any leaf emergence or anything like that at all. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, the roses, uh, I mean, the Rose Society and the, you know, the roses at the Botanical Garden, they were always done before, basically completely done right, at least right around when Thanksgiving happens. So you don't want to do it too early, but uh, you don't want to do it too late necessarily. Right. All right. Good luck. Thank you. And now let's go out to St. Charles and see what's going on in Betty's yard. Hi, Betty. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have a couple or just a question on Narcissus bulb forcing. We got some bulbs here at Christmas time. Put them in a couple of glass containers on top of the little uh, pebble things, and uh, half of the bulbs are oh gosh, probably. 14 inches tall and and blooming beautifully. But in each of those containers, there's a a one or two bulbs that just are about a quarter inch of the green showing. Will they come on or are they just not going to do anything? Uh, It's kind of hard to say. Uh, Probably what I would do just to make sure that there's there's still have any potential of being functional is just to kind of take your fingertips and squeeze them a little bit, the ones that just have the short foliage, and see uh-huh. if you know if they're soft, then they're probably on the downhill side, and they're not going to do anything beyond what they're you know what they've done. And even if they are still hard, uh, they may not do anything because if the other ones in the exact same location have emerged to the point that they are, and these are just kind of like way way behind, uh, that's not a good sign. Okay. Well, I may leave them in there and and hope for the best for a little while sure. because they are they are up on the uh, the all those glass rock things and not submerged in water. Right. But they're just kind of sitting there with about a quarter inch of little green next to these blooming beauties that are you know twelve fifteen inches tall. Yeah, so. I mean that's uh, and it, I mean it could be just maturity wise on the bulbs and everything else. So. It's you know it's a little difficult to tell, but uh, yeah, I mean be patient for sure. And uh, you know the fact that they're sitting on top of you know something, they're getting moisture into the root system. Just make sure yeah. that they are. And uh, the emergence of just you know a, sh- a short amount of foliage that can just be triggered by the fact that what you know the, it's a bulb, but it may not be a healthy bulb necessarily. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Love the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. And You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, February. This is a good time of year when you should start considering doing some pruning, structural-type pruning on fruit trees. So, in other words, you're going to get better, you know, better growth with a central leader on certain, you know, types of fruits. So like the apples, you know, you don't want to necessarily have the umbrella, upside-down umbrella, but other fruit trees you want to have the upside-down umbrella. So do a little bit of research. You can go to the University of Missouri Extension Service or Missouri Botanical Garden and put in, you know, should you be pruning, how should you be pruning your fruit trees? And especially if they're young because pruning when they're young is the best time to get them going in the right direction. 
So uh, that's something that's one of the things that you'll be doing in February. Fertilizing fruit trees as soon as possible while the, when the ground thaws and before the blossoming begins. So, and I just like to, my, personally fertilizing fruit, tr- fertilizing trees in general, I don't necessarily like to use fer- technically tr- true fertilizer. I like to use compost that I auger holes, backfill the holes with the compost that feeds the soil and then that will feed the trees. But if you have a soil test done in the area where your fruit trees are is showing it's got a a lack of certain nutrients, then you go and get that specific type nutrient and add it to the soil. So that's something that you should be thinking about doing in February. Start working on your fruit trees. Let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Hey, uh, you still going to be walking, do, uh, do your walking talks and shorts next weekend? Yep, I did it today. <laughs> <laughs> you are a brave man. <laughs> hey, I was, uh, I was listening earlier, and I was maybe going to get out into my yard and rake some acorns, and you had said something about uh, if the ground is frozen, that that is maybe not a good idea. Would I be damaging any of my grass if I did that? What kind of grass do you have? Uh, just bluegrass. Okay. So if you just, if you're using a leaf rake and not a garden rake, you should be able to rake, you know, just don't rake heavily down to it, but to get rid of the thatch, there's nothing wrong with doing that at all. Okay. All right. Well, I just didn't want to, you know, have a big bald spot this summer with my grass. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So a leaf rake, you know, with that flexibility, you know, works perfectly. And like I say, don't go over the same spot too many times. You don't want to make it so you're, you can see the dirt underneath, uh, let's say, the individual grass plants. Okay, okay. All right, well, that answers my question. Have a good rest of your day. Yep, same to you. Yeah, with uh, I haven't decided what I want to do as far as the leaves blowing in, you know, into our yard from Christie Park. A lot of times I take my mower out, I set it high, and I have a mulching mower, and I just mow all the, all the leaves up into pieces. But sometimes there's so many leaves that the mower kind of chokes, more or less, and then I end up having to rake them. So I'll just have to wait and see how I feel when I get home and maybe tr- take the mower out on some of the area and then rake some of the areas. So there's lots of different ways to kind of play in the yard. And now let's go over to Michael's yard. Hi, Michael. Uh, good morning, Michael. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, question. Um, a hospice. We've had hostas in the yard for, we've, we've transplanted them from a different house. They've been in this house or yard for uh, about 10 years, and they started to disappear. Last year, we thought somebody dug them up and stole them, and then this year, we noticed that they were gone. The, the rest of them were gone, and I went out there and looked, and there was no signs of digging. What, what do you think? That's you know, uh, that, I mean, that could be. Have you seen slugs and snails and things like that? But usually, I mean, for and or do you have like, I mean, you know, wildlife like squirrels and rabbits and things like that definitely eat them. If you know where they are, what I would do is just when the ground is not frozen, just go out there and you know dig them up. But when you say you know there was a time, I guess you said last year. None of, there was areas where historically they were, and there was no foliage coming up whatsoever? That's correct, yeah. So the only thing I can think is 
either that, you know, something's eating them, but you should still have some emergence early on before the actual, let's say the squirrels or rabbits or whatever happens to be eating them, chipmunks, uh, you should see some emergence, you know, coming up from the surface. But if you're not seeing that at all, that kind of indicates that for some, you know, something's happened in that location. And usually with the hostas, I mean, they go on and on and on and on and on. Uh, maybe you know, an exceptional amount of water sat there and has caused some rot on them. That's about the only thing I can imagine because they're pretty much, I don't want to say disease-free, but pretty much disease-free when it comes to something that's going to knock out a whole colony of them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Uh, they were there this summer, and then maybe I would say a month ago, we looked out there and there was nothing. And I went out there and kind of like dug it around with my hand and it was like, no, nobody's been digging. And there was no signs of hostas being there at all. So so you're saying they were there a, a month ago? So in like January or February or December? No, that's when we noticed that they were missing, but they oh. were there over the summer. Okay, well, they I mean, they should be gone. The old leaves should be laying there on the ground if you haven't put any mulch or anything. So, in other words, the foliage that was there in the summertime, in the fall, it just sort of, well, you know, you've grown them for years, just kind of collapses and lays there. So if you're not seeing anything at all, that is a little bit strange. But I wouldn't get in too much of a panic, but uh, it doesn't sound good, you know, as far as— What's actually causing the problem? To me, it sounds like it's something moisture-wise. And hosses can take you know moisture, but they can't take too much because it's going to drown the root system. Okay, because the ones that were disappeared last year, they didn't. Well, the, I would say the year before, they didn't come back the following year. Right. Like, so that means something's caused some kind of rot or something like that to you know to the actual plant to the crown of the plant. Okay, so these guys kind of, well, they're gone now, so. Right, yeah, there's no way to check. So I guess I mean, you need to get a soil sample or something in those areas? Well, I mean, you could, and, uh, yeah, and if you, let's say you get a soil test done and everything else you find out and you, you make any kind of improvements that are actually needed, but before, if you're going to get some more hostas, I would say improve that soil, build it up, you know, higher than the surrounding ground to make sure that if it is a moisture-related circumstance, that consequently it's it's not going to happen once you raise the bed space up. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll give that a try this year. We'll raise it and plant some more. All right. Sounds good. And All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Yeah, you know, not knowing which variety you had. The larger leaf hostas are going to be the ones that are the toughest. So if these were smaller leaf hostas, they can, you know, rot fairly easily when you wouldn't think the soil would be moist enough to cause that problem. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have grapevines or if you have raspberries, blackberries, those sort of things, February is a time when they should be pruned. 
So depending upon how, you know, how mature they are with the raspberries and blackberries and things like that, I like to remove the older, bigger canes just in general, cut them back all the way down to the ground because they're once they get to that point where they get too large, they're really not going to be doing too much fruit production. All they're going to be doing is sort of causing problems as far as being able to get into the patch and making the harvest. And with the grapes, you're going to cut them back severely. It's, you know, so, so just understand that if you're going to have these things, to do it correctly is, I mean, it's really important. If you don't do it correctly, then you're going to mess up everything. And when pruning anything that has diseased branches, always sterilize your, you know, your pruning shears and after, after you make the cuts, before you cut onto something that doesn't have the problem. Even if the plant that you're moving on to to prune is not known to have the problem, you could introduce it to it anyway. And what you want to do is like a 10% bleach solution, rubbing alcohol, or Lysol spray can be used after you do pruning anything that's diseased. So do that and prevent the problem. And also make sure that your pruners, uh, you know, after you do the disinfectant, that you oil them to prevent any kind of rust. So there's a couple things that... February is a time of year when you get out and start doing that stuff. And if you got to do it right or you're going to create more problems than you're doing, going to do good. Joanne, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Mike, I recently moved to an apartment from a house, and I'm on the third floor with a balcony. And I have two dogs, and I was thinking about putting AstroTurf down for them. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, that's certainly that's fine if you want to do it. I mean, how, well, you know, I face the sun. Will it be okay in any kind of weather conditions or will it be okay, period? Well, the AstroTurf, you're talking about artificial grass, right? Right, uh huh. So, yeah, whether, where it's, you know, facing or anything else, just, I would just be concerned that if you do put it down, first of all, check with the, you know, the place to make right. sure that it's okay because you want to make sure it's stuck down. And because if you don't, then if we have some strong winds, it could really start f- flapping and whipping and, uh, you know, raising, raise up and everything else. So that would be my concern is just check before you do. And then after that, go to the, pl- you know, there are several places that sell it. Find out wh- uh-huh. how they would recommend or if they do the installation themselves. Okay. Well, I just need a small, a small piece maybe. Ten foot by five or something like that. Right. What do you think of What do you think about that? Not good. Uh, it's probably not going to make that much difference. The dogs are not going to know, you know, a difference between that probably and any kind of let's say, mat or anything else that you would put out there. So okay. Well, what kind of plants would you recommend putting out on a deck like that or a patio? It's fa- you said it's facing south. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want how, you want tropicals or do you want uh, annuals? Uh, tropicals, probably something. No, I guess annuals, something that'll come back every year. But then I have to bring them inside in the winter months, so that really won't last either, will it? No, they won't. I would say okay. if do you have a preference as far as color wise goes? Oh no, I love color. Okay, no. I would say how much sun does it? I know it's facing south. How much sun does it actually get? It gets pretty much. Okay. I, I would say, yeah, it gets pretty much sun. Oh, let's see. I would probably, <laughs> you know, look at. I would. I would go perennial wise, but just treat these perennials like they were annuals. So at the end of the season, just kind of get rid of them. 
but uh, okay. like black-eyed Susans, purple coneflowers, something like that. Maybe some of the varieties of sedum. Okay. And get like the sedums okay. that have you know darker maroon color. So I'm trying to give you some color that way, as as okay. opposed to you know. And the, yeah. these plants are less care than some of the other things. If you want to have okay, something yeah. kind of exotic, you could go with the herbs. You could go with sage and basil and thyme and all that other kind of stuff because you can get color from those as well. Okay, maybe I'll try that. That sounds interesting. Okay, Mike, thank you so much for your show. I really, I love it. I listen every Saturday morning. Thank you again. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show and inviting me into your home every Saturday. Okay, thank you. <laughs> sure. Bye now. Let's head over to Dan's yard. Hi, Dan. Hello, Mike. Hi, yes. Yeah, Mike, this is Dan. Uh, my uh, son gave us an olive tree, and it's about... Uh, 18 to 22 inches high, and it's in a maybe six by eight a plastic uh, pot, mm-hmm. and the leaves started uh, falling, falling down and falling out. And I'm just wondering. I heard you say you shouldn't water uh, things half as much in the winter time, and right. I'm just wondering if I'm not watering it enough, or should I water it more? And well, uh, can can you give it fertilizer? Uh, basically, any kind of house plant, you've, unless it's you're under st- grow lights, yeah, you you do have it under grow lights. Uh, yes. Okay, that's fine. But still, the olive is not really a great plant for you know being a house plant. Yeah, I didn't think so. So it's going to be problematic whether you've got grow lights, regardless of what you do. I would say. Just kind of, you're going to have to try to keep your fingers crossed, and that's about the best thing you can do. Definitely, they, you know, where they're historically from, they really are on the low end of watering. So, you know, don't water it hardly ever. Like, pick the pot up and see how heavy it is right after you water once. And then don't water again until the pot really feels really light. So if you overwater, you're going to have trouble. And the reason why I'm saying this, even at the, you know, the Botanical Garden, they used to have something called the Mediterranean House, and they had olive, you know, olive trees in there, but they were, you know, they dropped a lot of leaves anyway. But if your if yours is dropping leaves not only along the branches or stems, but at the tips, then it's you know sort of headed downhill. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you very much for our show. Well, thank you. Yeah, and fertilizing wise, uh, they they they're kind of like an. Uh, a lilac as far as liking uh, alkaline circumstance, so don't use a fertilizer that's highly acidic. So anyway, uh-huh. good luck with that. Okay. And don't you know, don't fertilize it trying to make it be healthy. Wait until it gets right. stabilized and then start fertilizing at that time. All right. Thank you very much, Mike. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Looks like Brian Kelly is going to be doing the news from, he's not going to be doing it right now, but from the Justice Center because of all the, let's say, crazy things that are going on down there. So he's going to be live for his broadcast. But anyway, with your houseplants, uh, if you're getting things for Valentine's Day, just realize that uh, a lot of times uh, they're really only made <laughs> to last for 
a relatively short period of time. Now, if they're the classic type house plants, then just, yeah, I mean, even if they've got, uh, let's say, things stuck in the potting mix that says Happy Valentine's Day and stuff, get all that stuff out and start taking care of the plant material, making sure that it gets adequate sunlight. Sunlight this time of year is really crucial. The days are really, really short, and it's going to be very important. Tracy got me a little miniature orchid, and uh, we bought some heather the other day. So we're, we're they weren't necessarily for Valentine's, but this time of year it can be a little bit tough on the plant material. And don't do any kind of fertilizing on any kind of house plant until you start to see some new growth occurring. So don't try to force growth or think, I'm going to have them grow by fertilizing. No, that's not exactly what you want to do. And this time of year, guess what? Half label rate. So don't do anything that's going to cause more problems than good. And start looking, uh, if you can, lift up your pots. Or if you start to see uh, root systems coming out of the drainage holes, that means they're pot-bound. You don't necessarily have to do it, but this is a time of year where you want to put them in a larger pot, but make sure the pot is only like one inch bigger than, or two inches at the most, bigger than the current pot. So you pull it out of the pot, shake shake it gently to shake off some of the existing potting mix, put the new potting mix in the soil in the pot that you're going to move them to. So that's what you can be doing with your uh, houseplants this time of year. Um, one of the other things that you need to be thinking about, start watching pretty closely as far as your perennials, like the gentleman was having trouble with this hosta, but that really wasn't related to the weather. But uh, this is a time where you can take, you know, have some fun with some just different kinds of plants and uh, whether you want to start some from seed or whether you want to start, you know, get some at a garden center. They're not showing up yet, but they will be showing up probably by the end of the month. You're going to start seeing you know, the summer bulbs, the cannas, and the caladiums and things along that line. And uh, you're going to start to see the geraniums. You're going to start to see uh, the begonias. All sorts of things are going to start showing up as well as the hardy plant material. So just keep that in mind. And as I said before, this is the time of year when you want to do some pruning on your fruit trees to make them so they have the proper shape. And the proper shape just makes it so you're going to get better production out of it. It just also remember anything that's spring flowering, which fruit trees are, when you do some pruning, you're going to reduce the amount of flowers. So consequently, you're going to reduce the amount of potential fruit. But that can be a good thing because there's plenty of times where you can walk around or you see fruit trees where the fruit is way too much for the tree. And if there's too much fruit, then you're not going to have good production from that fruit and consequently, the weight of the fruit could cause some branching to have some cracks in it. So, and this is a time of year to have a tree service come out and you still have an opportunity or a chance to do some dormant oil sprays. The dormant oil spray is a spray which actually covers all the branches, you know, of the deciduous trees and it suffocates any kind of problems that are there. So the dormant oil spray has to be applied during dormancy. If the buds have already started to open up, then it can cause some real problems for those buds. So just realize that as well. Also, measuring the square footage of your lawn areas. So if you are going to do any kind of applications of any kind of fertilizer, any kind of a pre-emergent or anything along that line, you get the right amount. 
because the, the, you know, the correct or the proper amount is really super important. If you don't put it down correctly and you don't, you know, let's say apply water afterwards to spread it, then it's really extremely important to do. So just understand that there's many things that you can be doing this early in the season that's real important. So uh, check you, and again, check your summer bulbs if you have some that are stored. I've got my cannas still out in the garage, and uh, I just decided to leave them out there this year just to see what will happen. So I've checked them a couple times already. They're still firm and looking good. And uh, I just have them more or less kind of in cardboard boxes up on a wooden pallet. And we'll see what happens with them. Some of the other things that are a little bit more exotic, the elephant ears and things along that line, I have them inside in the basement. But uh, I know they're fine. But the ones that are in the garage, I, I have been checking. So this is a time of year where things are going to start really kicking off. Mike Miller, KMWAS Garden Hotline. I will see you after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline, tip of the trial hour. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your idea, ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss all kinds of different things, annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, how's your lawn doing, those perennials, are they showing any kind of growth at all? Roses, shrubs, trees, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but it's strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is across the big board. He's producing, so he would be answering the phone. And so what he'll need from you is your first name and where you're calling from. I do landscape consulting during the week today after the show. I was headed towards... Uh, Ledoux, but uh, consequently, with the temperatures being kind of nasty as far as temperature-wise, we decided to forego that one and going to be putting it off for another week or so. But you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, where you can get my email address and phone number, and you can contact me, and we'll schedule a walk and talk at your home where I'll come share 40-plus years of experience about the outdoors. Tip of the Trial is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Today, I did my walk down at One Memorial Drive where KMOX used to be, and consequently, I didn't realize what all the flashing lights and everything was. Brian Kelly was just uh, doing his broadcast from there, from the Justice Center. But I was, you know, it was nice to see that the city's getting prepared because we don't know what the weather's going to be like, snow-wise or anything else, or, you know, cold. But they had the salt down on Market Street. So, you know, it's just good that, you know, these organizations, cities, governments, and everything else are staying prepared to make it a little bit safer for all of us. So if you do have any questions or concerns... 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Bill's yard. Bill, how are you? Yeah, Mike? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for some seeds, like vegetable seeds in bulk. Uh, they used to, Hummer seed used to have it, but they've discontinued it. And 
is there any local places that you can get seeds, you know, like dill or, or radishes or things like that by bulk in St. Louis or around here? Wow. I I, real, I didn't realize that Hummerts had stopped, you know, or discontinued carrying the bulk seed. Because that's, yeah, you know, that's where yeah. I would always recommend for people to go. Well, I used to go there for years, you know, when they went on show to Jefferson down there, and then they moved out to Earth City. Right. And uh, here, I nothing, you know. Out here, Dittner, Windy Hill used to handle it, and uh, they were dynamite uh, for seed goes, but they're gone, too. So uh, what did we do, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> talk, talk to me. <laughs> yeah, I would say maybe go to the University of Missouri Extension Service and see who they would recommend. But as yeah, far as vegetable, you know, vegetables and stuff like that, I mean, there are places that sell like wildflower seeds. But uh, as far as vegetables and what you're speaking of, I, you know, I really don't have a clue. Well, it, I mean, there's there's places like the Springfield, uh, Johnson's, and and another uh, uh, place and uh, all down by Branson, but nothing in St. Louis. I mean, a big place like this and uh, no vegetable seeds. That's incredible. Hard, hard to believe. Right. I appreciate it, Mike. Yep. Thank you. So, again, Talk just get, get a hold of the University of Missouri Extension Service. Okay, we'll do it. And see if there is, you know, someplace local or just someplace even over in Illinois. So, anyway, thanks, Bill. And now Thank let's you. go Thank to uh, Corey, and Corey lives in Pacific. Hi, Corey. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Well, I we have a patio put on our back backyard and it's facing the north and we put a retaining wall around it and I'd like to know I put all kinds of plants last year and they're just not making it I had some uh tall uh oh I can't think of the name of them now um they got like rust on them the little leaves the leaves and I was wondering what you would recommend putting around there and then also i I I saw somebody's yard and they had some black perennial grass in their flower bed and I wanted to know what that was. Yeah, as far as what you know, that particular ornamental grass, I'm not really sure. I would go to you know Mobot, so in other words, Missouri Botanical M O B O T dot org and look at their ornamental grasses because I mean it's I could say, you know, what it could be, but I, that would strictly be a guess. And now, you are you asking, is it going to be on top of the retaining wall, or is this behind the retaining wall? I'm not exactly sure. It's in the retain. The retaining wall has flower beds on each side. Okay, between the patio and actually right. the wall. And I would like to know what we can put in there. And also, he built a wall out of cinder blocks with little flower things in there. And I'm really having trouble trying to find something to keep in there. I have to continuously water it because it dries out so quickly. I guess the block soaks up the water. Right. So probably in that kind of circumstance, I look at some of the varieties of sedum for there. Okay. So even though it's facing the north and everything else, I'm sure in the summertime it's going to get some sun. But uh, my concern, what is a patio actually made out of? Concrete. So that means it's going to be fairly alkaline. So it could be to the disadvantage of some of the plant material. Probably what I would do is maybe not put things in the ground necessarily, but if you wanted to put some, you know, something into the ground, 
I would probably think about like the Hicks, H-I-C-K-S, Hicks U, which is a narrow-growing upright U. And then in between that, I would put pots with annual seasonal color type things in them. Okay. So just annuals every year? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that just, you know, that sounds like kind of a really tough, difficult situation because of the alkalinity and, you know, the whole, you know, I mean, you could try you could try a couple of different perennials if you wanted to. And again, I always mention the sunflower family because they are so tough. But uh, I would my tendency would be to put some of the evergreens in there, like the Hicks U, and then maybe just you know sprinkle some of the uh, sunflower family in that as well. Okay, all right. Well, thanks so much. Sure, my pleasure. And if you wanted to have a really low ground cover. I mean, there are several different ground covers that you can use that have some color, like a juga. Uh, there's a gold thread branch. Uh, no, not gold thread branch, cypress. Uh, there's several different kinds of ground cover that you could grow, but they're not going to give you any height. That's why I'm recommending using the upright uh, use in that circumstance. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your info. Sure. My pleasure. And uh, Greg, our news guy, just handed, Greg Branson, handed this to me. An, an accident has stopped traffic on northbound I-55 crossing the Poplar Street Bridge. So some crazy stuff going on. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. want to apologize. I'm a little out of sync today, so, uh, oh, well. Let's head down to St. Genevieve and go into Kent's yard. Hi, Kent. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Hey, I've got a couple of questions. Uh, first one would be, I live out in the woods in St. Genevieve County. I've got a little open space, and every year it just fills up with weeds. Uh, there's a lot of, um, oh, what do they make root beer out of? Uh, sarsaparilla? Kind of sap- yeah, sarsaparilla saplings, you know, undergrowth. Well, I was wanting to eliminate the, the weeds, and I was thinking about a pre-emergence, and then I was thinking about a ground cover and was wondering, it's in mainly the shade, and would periwinkle, would would that be a good ground cover for something like that? Yeah, it would work fine if you can get to, but if you're having a lot of suckers come up from the ground from, you know, like for the root beer more or less, uh, that's going to, you know, the pre-emergence is not going to have any impact on that at all. Right. I'm not really concerned about the, the sassafras trees. Oh. Actually, I, I want them. Okay. Um, but I I want to get rid of the weed seeds that continue to come up, and uh, I'm afraid that they'll just choke out of anything that I put down there. Yeah, I mean, certainly a pre-emergent would work, you know, with that. You want to put the pre-emergent down when the forsythia is in bloom, and then using the ground cover like periwinkle, that would be fine. Okay, when the what is in bloom? Uh, the yellow? I need a t- yeah, the yellow forsythia. That's the time of year when the, that what that does is indicate uh, a soil temperature, and that's the same soil temperature, same soil temperature that triggers germination of uh, let's say weed seeds. 
Okay, and what when is that usually? Uh, it's you. Well, it all depends. Our weather's so goofy, but it's sometime in <laughs> let's say early March. Okay, that's when to put the pre-emergence down. Right. Uh, the periwinkle does that come in already uh, germinated, or is it seeds? Or yeah, no, no, no. It's uh, you buy it in flats. If you're talking about flats. the evergreen, you know, ground yes. cover, you buy it in flats of like thirty-six, you know, per flat. Great, great. One other question. I'm looking for giant elephant ear bulbs, and I'm not a, I don't have good luck with the mail order guys. Is there anywhere in St. Louis I can walk in and buy a bulb? I would say uh, Bears Garden Center there in Imperial. Imperial Bears. B A Y E R S. Uh, they usually have some that are kind of like a, the same size as a small pineapple. There you go. That's what I'm looking for. And are they, can they be put in partial shade? Oh, sure. Oh, great, great. Okay, Mike, you have a wonderful weekend. Uh, be careful out there. Yeah. Stay warm. Same to you. Yeah, the, with the cold weather, it's going to be really kind of nasty. And yes, uh, a couple people have called in. They say Haneke Hardware has bulk seed, but also uh, Valley Park Grain Elevator has bulk vegetable seed. So for the gentleman that was calling and couldn't find any place to get bulk seed, there's two places, Haneke Hardware and Valley Park Grain Elevator. I think he said he lived in Dittmer, which is not really all that close, but that's at least you know somewhat close as far as who closer than a lot of other things. Anyway, let's head now over to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I followed your lead and planted some hyacinth bulbs outside in a pot. Now we've got this terribly cold weather coming in, and surprisingly, they were starting to come up. So I can see just the sprouts of some of the green coming up. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about them. Do you think they're going to survive this cold snap that we're getting? Or Yeah, I think they should. I mean, Should it I depends do? upon how much, you know, insulation, how big the pot is in relationship to where you put the bulbs. So there has to be some, you know, in, a, in, a, in other words, potting mix around them to keep mm -hmm. them from being right next to the edge because that's going to be cold. But uh, I've grown them in, you know, pots many times and not had any problems with them. Okay, I've tried that. Tried to uh, kind of snuggle them in some dried leaves and things, too. But, yeah, they're not real close to the pot. So I'm hoping for the best. Thank you so much. Have yeah. a great one. Good luck. Thanks. Bye now. <laughs> and now let's see. Where should we? Let's go over to, down into Arnold and go into Kurt's yard. Kurt, how are you? Hello, Kurt. Oh, I guess Kurt's busy. Now let's go out to Baldwin and into Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Mike. I have a couple houseplant questions. Okay. Um, I brought home a, a Song of India plant, a Dracenia, and on the way home it got damaged in, in transit, and it broke off the growing tip. Um, am I going to be able to see any growth on that? You should. I mean, what it'll do, it won't come off the same place that it was you know, growing before, but it'll come out like an elbow if it was a Dracaena then, yeah. it, you know, it's not going to be able to grow from that same spot. Okay, so it'll get, like, suckers or sprouts from the side? Yes, right, exactly. Okay, because it seems to have good root system. It's just, yeah, the top is just drying off and, like, okay, am I going to get any kind of growth out of it? Yeah, so um, side shoot growth, that's what you're going to, you should anticipate. 
Okay, and the other question is, um, I have a a multi-stem amaryllis. Um, there's like six stems coming up. Um, not really stems, but the, the leaves are doing beautifully. They're great. But in the four years that I've had it, it's never bloomed. Is is this just a dud or... <laughs> No, basically what you have to you have to force it into flower. So after the you know after the foliage gets full size and everything else, what you do is you cut off the foliage, cut it down to about a, a two an inch or two inches, something like that, and then set it and just put it in the dark. Forget it for you know, like probably like uh, any place between six and eight weeks. Then bring it back out. Then put it in the light and start watering it. Then you will get the flower shoot. Okay, so it's not like a regular amaryllis so that you you have because uh, um, I I put it down with my regular amaryllis and my my regular amaryllis is already sending up a flower bud because I put it kind of late, but it gets the like the twelve hours. It's next to a basement window uh-huh. and so it gets light. Um, should it be com- in complete dark then? Yeah, complete dark would be better. I okay. mean, I mean, you don't have to be extreme, but yeah, that's the best thing to do. Okay, I, I was mistaken then. Okay, I'll try that because like four years I've had beautiful foliage and it, it's gorgeous, but I've never seen a bloom on it. <laughs> yeah, so definitely cut off the foliage. And you have other amaryllis that you don't cut the foliage, but they still flower? Well, no, I have a, a single stem amaryllis, a oh. beautiful big red one that, that is, uh, has uh, the greenery has come up and now I'm seeing the flower bud coming up out of the bulb right. um, because I put it, I kind of brought it up late, and uh, it's been kind of out of sync there, too. Okay. But but it's coming up. But uh, all right, thank you for your help. Great. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, with the amaryllis, you definitely got to let the foliage grow. And what that's doing is building up the bulb for the, you know, the future. Bulb meaning the bulb's going to be flower, but also that's where the new foliage is going to be coming out. Then cut it off entirely. So let's see if we can get another call. Uh, South City, that's where Bob lives. Hi, Bob. Good morning, Mike. How Hi. are you? Very good. Uh, my wife has Easter flowers that are like three or four inches up out of the ground. This cold weather that's coming, will it keep them from blooming later on? It really shouldn't. Now, it could damage the foliage. So, like Easter lilies, is that what we're talking about? Uh, no, uh, John Quills. Oh, John Quills. Well, no, that's not a problem. You know, it's going to potentially cause problems for the tip of the foliage, but it's not going to interfere with the flowering at all. Okay, that's what she wanted to know. You have a good day. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open, so you can give us a call. Somebody called in and said Haneke Hardware is no longer in business, but I know for sure Valley Park Grain Elevator is because I just drove by it the other day, and uh, they are. So Haneke, sorry, somebody was headed out there that quickly to try to get some seed. But anyway, Valley Park Grain Elevator for bulk seed. They also have all kinds of plant material, all kinds of different stuff as well. Let's head to Vanna's yard. Hi, Vanna. Anna? Oh, Anna. Sorry. Okay. Um, I have a question. We just built a brand-new house, and it's a lake, lake lot, and the house is up on, a, like, a hill, and when they 
built it, of course, they they moved all the dirt around. So now, right now, we're we're on the the hill here, and there's no grass, no nothing, just dirt, and it's all going down the hill when it rains. What can we do uh, besides wait until um, we want to put zoysia in? But what can we do for this to stop the dirt from from going eroding? Down the hill? Yeah, yes, that's going to be a very tough circumstance because there's you know I mean you could I can't think of anything I don't know how steep the slope is but if you're getting erosion. To put out anything, there's nothing that's going to be able to hold that, you know, hold the soil because, I mean, straw is not going to work. Landscape fabric's not really going to work. There's, uh, you know, I don't know how big the space is, but uh, if I was going to try anything, and I'm not sure, I just said it wouldn't work, that would probably be using landscape fabric. Landscape fabric to just lay on top. Right. And you're going to have to tack it down with, they have kind of like long staples that you tack it in, in, you know, in space. And I don't know how much sod you're going to, how big it is again, or how much sod you're going oh, to need. it's a huge area. Yeah, yeah it's a huge so area. You're probably, you know, I mean, to get the, even the sod established is going to be really super difficult. Well, we thought we'd put dirt, you know, better dirt down and then just put the sod on top of it. Yeah, I mean, it's you not, can do that, but if this is really a steep slope and everything, the you know, this, I mean, you can have erosion underneath the sod. So just watch out for that. Just understand that that's, you know, going to be something that you're going to have to be concerned with. Well, we wouldn't be able to put the sod down until, like, um, what, April, May? Probably even, maybe June. even, Yeah. I mean, whenever the sod farms start cutting, so it's going to be quite a long time, several months with lots of rain and everything else. So, I again, I would try the landscape fabric and see if you can help stabilize it. And is there any level spot? You know, does a hill come up to a top? And well, there's a little bit. Yeah, there's some. You know, you know, start. You know, yeah. go back past the top of the hill and then start. Uh, the, fa- the landscape fabric is going to come in rolls. And roll it, right. and then tack it, and then overlap it, and then roll it and tack it, and overlap it. So you can kind of create more or less like shingles on your roof, so the water would run from the one that's above it and not go underneath it. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes. Okay, I understand that. Okay, well, that's the best we can do until spring. Right. So I, <laughs> I just thought I'd ask the experts to see what. What to do. Yeah, that's going to be Thank tough. Thank you so much. Sure. Good yeah. luck with that. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. And now let's go over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Uh, yeah. I was wondering, uh, what do you fertilize zoysia with? Everybody gives me a, an answer that uh, really don't tell you much. They'll tell you, oh, you just use any kind of fertilizer you want. But uh, I was curious if there's one particular thing that works better than others? Well, I mean, there is fertilizer that's formulated for zoysia grasses. But what I would do first, this time of year, I would go get a, you know, get some soil samples, get a soil test done, find out what nutrients are in the soil, and then consequently buy a fertilizer that's going to help, you know, if you've got uh, certain nutrients that you have an abundance of, make sure the fertilizer you buy doesn't have that particular uh, nutrition or nutrient in it. Or if it's lacking, it has that one in there to help supplement it because it is lacking. 
So getting a soil test done is the best thing to do. But beyond that, just putting any kind of fertilizer down is not the best way to go. If you really want to do it right, you're going to get a soil test, find out what's going on. Soil tests are like $25, University of Missouri Extension Service. You know, basically there's they have extension places where uh, you can drop it off in Kirkwood. There's a couple places in the city of St. Louis that you can drop off soil samples. But uh, that's what I would do first. Find out what's in your soil, then get the fertilizer that is going to help supplement those type things. Oh, okay. I guess I'll do that and see what it's lacking, but it seems to be growing great. And uh, But some people say you can get, like, fungus diseases and that that uh, will destroy it or harm it, and I'd hate to see that. Right. But a fertilizer is not necessarily going to eliminate those kind of problems. Yeah. Well, growing, it's no problem. I started off with a strip about two inches wide, the length of my driveway, and in about six years, it's almost totally took over my whole yard. Wow, that's great. And it's just gold now. <laughs> of course, I got 100% sun, too. Right, that's all perfect. All the time. And, uh, yeah, it just cuts good, and it, uh, I don't have to get out there and cut it every right. two weeks. I can let it grow for sometimes a month. Before I even cut it. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it only gets maybe three, four inches tall. Right. But it's thick. Well, that's great. And I'd probably, you know, get, you know, maybe take a, you know, take a, like a six-inch cutting, six-inch square to your favorite garden center and have them take a look at it, too. Just just for, kind of in general for information-wise. Oh, okay, doke. I'll do that then. And get the soil test done as well. Okay. Thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. And now let's go to Pam, and she lives in Oakville. Hi, Pam. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I bought some Wygea. I think I said that right. Three years ago, I put it in a flower bed that's next to my driveway. Well, I got a little ambitious when I put it in, and it's too close to the driveway. In the spring, can I dig this up and move it back a foot? Yes, you shouldn't. I mean, you should have no problem doing that at all. Okay, good. I mean, you're going to have to get the entire root system. Now, this is, I mean, I don't know what variety of Wygelia you have, but they some of the varieties get pretty huge. Yeah, and I didn't realize that. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are some so it's dwarfs. over into the garage. Uh. Now, what about pruning it? I waited, this is the third year it's been in. I waited till. It started to bloom out last year, and I cut away the dead branches. Right. Do I prune anything else on it? Uh, if you move it, the best thing to do is to put, you know, to choose a plant in a location where you don't have to do a lot of pruning to it. Okay. Other yeah. than removing dead wood. So if you have to move it further back, that would be my tendency as opposed to just, you know, pruning it for the sake of pruning. Yeah, I didn't, well, I other than cut away the dead branches, I haven't done anything, and they're magnificent. Right. Oh, my God. Okay, I have one other question. Okay. I bought a bag of daffodils and I did, last fall. I didn't get them in the ground. Do uh, I can't remember. I didn't pay any attention now, but the problem is mine now. Uh, do I put them in the refrigerator and then wait until the ground warms up a little bit, and then I can put them in the ground? What do I do? Because i got 50 of them. Oh, 
Yeah, it's not like putting them in pots. No, you can't really. Do, I mean, to even plant them, for them to be able to, you know, to do to be able to do anything to get themselves acclimated to put out root systems beyond the bulbs, and uh, it's going to be a really iffy circumstance. I'm not saying you should throw them away, but I would. Uh, I wouldn't try to just store them in a refrigerator. If anything, I'd take them outside as soon as you can work the soil up and plant them in the ground four to six inches deep in a sunny location and see if they're going to come up just to put some foliage out, likely not to flower, and then let them go, let the foliage then die back down and see what happens again then next. Give them a year. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. All right, bye. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, someone called in, and it's Branicky Hardware is still open, and they do have bulk seed. Haneke Hardware is closed, but Branicky Hardware is open. Now let's head over to Eric's yard. Hi, Eric. Hello, Mike. Good Hi. morning. Good morning. Hi. Uh, speaking of uh, daffodils from the previous caller, I noticed along my fence line that my daffodils have been poking out about four inches uh, just recently. Is that normal, and or is there something I need to do with the cold weather coming in? Uh, the cold weather, there's nothing you can really do. That's not the flower bulbs. That's strictly the foliage. So you're going to get some probably cold weather burn possibly on the tips of the foliage. But, no, there's nothing you, you can do. And, I mean, it's all triggered by soil temperature, so... When the soil temperature was, you know, warmer, then consequently that's what caused the growth to be to the level or the height that it is right now. Right, right. Okay. So just let it do its course, run its course, and then shoot for the best. Right, exactly. And as soon as, a, you know, as soon as the foliage is, you know, completely up, then you can do some fertilizing to it as well. And then consequently that will help build the bulbs up for the future. And then for everybody – Understand that the daffodils, you know, have a limited life, and after a certain period of time, X amount of years, 8 to 10 years, they may not flower again after that. They'll push foliage, but just not flower. And thanks, Eric. And now let's go over to Grace's yard. Hi, Grace. Hi, Mike. How are you this morning? Yes, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, I want to know if it's too early. We have a sunroom, and we brought some pots in um, with just the soil from outside, and they've been inside for about a week. Uh, can we plant our elephant ears now or our uh, cana bulbs? You or could. is it too early? Yeah, you're not. Don't expect too much out of them because I'm assuming you're going to leave them on the sun porch, right? Well, it's in a sun room. It's well, sun enclosed. Room. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you could go ahead and plant them. And it's going to probably be several weeks before you're going to get any kind of, you know, showing of growth above the surface of the potting mix. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it takes even longer when you put them outside, Oh, you know. And I guess we're just anxious for um, spring. (laughs) 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 We're sitting inside all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you could go ahead and do it. I mean, it sounds like you've had a history of knowing how to plant them depth-wise and everything else. And oh, yeah. If, yeah, um, that's not the problem. It's just I didn't want them to rot from maybe trying them too early. But, no. yeah. I mean, and then um, 
I have African violets that are in the pots that ha- that sit in the water and absorb the water mm-hmm. through the pots, and um, they're getting huge. <laughs> um, should I not be putting fertilizer in that water all the time? Or? Well, I mean, you want plants to grow. If they weren't growing, they'd be dying. So <laughs> Yes, I know, I know. But they're just, um, you know, maybe eight inches across. Or, that's you know, great. They've really gotten big. Right. Well, that sounds yeah. perfect. Okay. Well, they they seem to enjoy where they're at. So, right. um, but I it's okay to leave the the fertilizer in the water that right. fourth of a teaspoon or whatever that I put in a quart of water. Yeah, that's in. fine. Okay. I mean, you've got the right combination. <laughs> okay. All right. And um, my daffodils have been blooming for about 25 years. <laughs> really? So yeah. you got some of the older hybrids. That's perfect. Great. I, I guess, yeah. Sometimes I, I, I dig them up because I'm tired of them. And, you know, when the leaves come up and you have all this big clump of leaves mm-hmm. and I put some out by the curb, I couldn't get people to even take them. <laughs> and I put free on them, you know. <laughs> but, uh Yeah. They've been blooming a long time. Well, perfect. All right. Well, um, thank you for your help and appreciate your show. Well, I appreciate you calling, and obviously you have the skill with all kinds of different plants. So thanks, Grace. we just keep buying new ones. We try and have (laughs) something blooming all the time. Sounds perfect. Yeah. All right. Go more for the perennials. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Now let's head over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Hey, Mike, how are you? Very good. Um, so long story short, I called you last year because we were looking at resodding our yard. We have four dogs, um, and we went ahead and resodded, and um, we went with a fescue, and a lot of the area has died. It's basically our problem that we had last year where it was mud. Um, and I just heard your commercial for St. Louis composting with the core core aeration um, and laying down the compost. Um, Can you lay that compost down on top of the grass or like, how does that work after you core core aerate? Oh yeah, no, there's not a problem. You just don't want to bury your lawn. So yeah, spreading compost on top of active growing lawn, that's, there's not a problem doing that. Okay. Is there a machine that does that or is it all labor? Uh, basically, they have machines that they, they can rent, but there is machines that does that that will spread it. Okay. And do you think that would help or are we just going to, like, are we, I mean, I know we have four dogs and, like, right. trees. So, so, I mean, you've got to, it will help some, but you're never going to have a nice lawn. Okay. I mean, seriously. All right. Yeah, no, I believe you. I just, yeah, I just want some grass. Right. You know, so. Okay, well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And, Cynthia, could you do it kind of quick? Yes, I'll try. Thank you so much. I have this uh, hyacinthian bean plant that Mm. our daughter got me for Mother's Day last year. And I put it uh, in the garage, and, and I... I brought it in the house because it looked like it's dead, and it might be because I've, I'm old and I forget to water stuff. And anyway, it, it's uh, do I just wait until uh, 
come spring to see if something comes out? Or right. It- well, basically, a hyacinth bean plant is an annual. So, in other words, it should have produced purple pods. It with, did. It did. Okay. In those pods, those seeds are the ones that you're going to be planting for next year, for this upcoming year. Oh, so I should stick it in the pot now? Well, if you got the seeds, I w- if you want to, or just hold on to the seeds until the weather warms up, and let's say around uh, mid to late April, put the seeds in the ground or in the pot. Uh-huh. Well, see, it said it gets eight-foot-tall tree. No, this, that's not hyacinth bean. It's uh-huh. a vine. It's not, a, it's not something that right. can... Right, right, right. I mean, okay. it, I've had them where they get like 20 or 25 feet long. So, I mean, they get really big. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I got this uh, electric line, uh, you know, how they put the, the, anyway, the, I'm trying to think what it is. <laughs> and it's, it's. Um, well, Cynthia, we're going to have to run. So okay. anyway, it's just, a, you know, it's an annual that you have to plant the seed every year. So oh, okay. Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.